us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick and welcome to the Presence Podcast. You're here for episode number seven. Now, full disclosure and a mea culpa. It is Tuesday, the 8th, and it's about 4.30 in the afternoon. I'm actually recording yesterday's podcast at about the same, the podcast for yesterday at about the same time that I recorded the podcast yesterday for Sunday. So I'm about almost 24 hours behind, but in the goal of keeping up my streak and continuing my podcast, I am here with you recording about yesterday. And I really do plan to get back onto my better cycle, which is recording in the evening, not putting it off till the next day when I try to do it second period, try to do it during lunchtime. Neither of those work very well. And I'm in a situation like this. So the mea culpa is, I said one thing and it didn't happen, but we're going to try again. Regardless, I am glad you are here with me as I share with you how I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open yesterday to experience the holy presence of God. Now, I told you on the podcast about Sunday, which I recorded yesterday, that today I would tell you, or for the Monday podcast yesterday, I would talk about what I did with my classes on Epiphany, or at least when we celebrated Epiphany in my classes, which was on yesterday. Confused yet? (laughs) Sorry about that. Regardless, I wanted to tell you a story that I started class with yesterday. And it's a favorite story from a favorite theologian of mine. Now, the theologian is Peter Rollins. Give him a shout out here. Pete Rollins is from Ireland And he is 40-something, late 40s, a little younger than me, actually, but definitely 40s. And I really like his theology. First of all, I really like the way he talks. He has a great accent. But I also like his theology about experiencing God in the midst of brokenness and, and devastation and knowing that we don't flee those experiences of life Rather, we know that God is deeply present within those, even if it's not always clear. And he he has more to his theology than that. But in a nutshell, I think for me, that's the most meaningful part of his um, writing and his speaking. And I've had the opportunity to read a number of his books. I subscribe to his podcast, which is called The Fundamentalist's podcast. I've seen him speak actually and met him and had him sign a couple books. So he's a fave. Anyway, the book that this story comes from is called The Orthodox Heretic. Now, I'm not going to read the story because that would probably be violating some kind of copyright. I'm going to tell you the story. And even though this is inspired, of course, by a story in that book, I hope that by telling and interpreting the story, it adds more to it than just simply reading it to you. 
So here's the story. So at some time, there was a priest who was an elderly priest, lived a good and holy life, and was well known in his community for being hospitable and generous. And he knew that even the possessions that he had, he held those loosely because he always was aware that God was ultimately the owner of everything. Well, one night in the winter, right about this time of winter, he was praying in the sanctuary in the afternoon, in the evening, and suddenly there came a loud knock on the door. I got sound effects. And he knew it was a terrible night, and whoever was out on the doorstep was probably in great need. So he goes to the door and he opened the door and out on the doorstep is a horrible, terrible, ugly demon. Just awful. Flesh falling and just goo coming from all orifices and just terrible. And the demon says to him, Old man, let me in. May I come in? It's a very polite demon. Didn't say please though. So the old man says, of course, of course you may come in. And the demon enters and the priest goes back to praying. And meanwhile, the demon goes about pretty much just trashing the sanctuary. And eventually the demon says to the priest, well, the priest actually gets up and says, I need to leave. I'm going home. And the demon says, well, I am hungry. May I come home with you? And the priest says, of course. So the demon follows the priest back to the residence. And while the priest is preparing dinner, the demon goes about destroying more religious items and basically just causing, you know, a mess in the residence. And again, the priest doesn't seem terribly faced. And he feeds the demon and they sit at the table and the demon is kind of a little bit perplexed but he has an idea and it is going to be his final request from the priest and in the spirit of a cliffhanger please stay with me through the break and I'll tell you how the story ends and how I shared this yesterday with my classes So thanks for staying with me through the break. So the priest and the demon are staring at each other, looking at each other across the dinner table. And the demon says, I have one more request. Will you let me into your heart? And the priest doesn't even hesitate and says, everything I have is yours. Of course. And the demon pauses. He is confused and surprised because the very one thing that the demon most wanted from the priest, a lack of hospitality being shut out, he was unable to get because the priest said yes to every 
form of hospitality. And at this moment, the demon vanished. We don't know what happened to the demon and how this experience changed him, but the priest tidied up a little bit and went up the stairs to bed and went to sleep, wondering what disguise his Christ would come to him as next. So I told this story, this parable, to my students, and I said, well, what? why am I telling you this? What, what do we get? Or what are you like? And we, we talked about the meaning and the surprise and how parables have those twists and turns and how the priest's radical, complete, and total hospitality is so surprising. And I said, well, you know, why? What's the value of this? And some of the kids says, well, we're starting a new, new year and being kind and welcoming and generous, that, that's a good thing to do as a resolution. I said, yes, that's, that makes sense. And then we shifted to what is on so many people's minds today, which is the government shutdown and the wall, the symbol of the wall and how that is so counter, so opposite to what the priest recognizes and, and lives. You know, the image of the priest is a door, the openness and a wall, a barricade. Today, Pope Francis was talking in, in his, one of his um, public addresses about a curtain that is put up as a barrier to block out refugees, to block out those in need. And what a different image. And what a, a, just what a symbol. And, and I... I shared with the students that, you know, it has reached the point where it really isn't about logic anymore. It isn't about rationality. It isn't about how much it's going to cost and how $5.7 billion could be spent in so many other better ways about how the fact that there's just lie after lie after lie that's being told about the crisis in quotation marks, air quotes. And because it, it's just become such a symbol in a symbol of helping to take away fear and helping to take away just meaninglessness. And, 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 and I, I, I just don't know where we go from here. I don't know how a conversion happens, you know, um, on either side, you know, on the side of Trump who says that it must be he's changed his tune so many times Mexico was going to pay for it and then it was going to be a concrete wall and then now it's steel slats or whatever but anything that is called a wall the Democrats are saying no we're not going to support this and while I agree with that side and I think we don't need there's so many other things that we could do and border security in other ways and so forth it, it just has become no longer reasonable or rational. It's become a symbol that I think represents something much, much deeper. You know, at the sound of being trite, it all comes down to what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? How do we imitate 
Christ, to quote another title. And I think the priest gives us a pretty good example. And one final thought, and I brought this up with my students yesterday. What if the demon, and I put that in air quotes now, isn't really a demon? It's a homeless person or a refugee or a person seeking asylum. That the narrator, the storyteller, says it is the demon because the storyteller wants to demonize this person. So you have an unreliable narrator who is saying something about this character at the door that isn't true, that is dehumanizing and demonizing this person. So just kind of a thought about perspective and how the priest sees one way and the narrator of the story, the teller of the story, may be seeing something very differently and erroneously. Because again, you know, how did Jesus see, how does God see each and every one of God's children, not as demons, certainly, and not as people that should be shut out, but people that should be welcomed as much as possible. So, all in the story, all in the story. So I appreciate your listening. Thank you, as always, for being here. The questions are, again, wall and door, symbols. And as we begin this new year, where are you in those symbols? And a third symbol is a bridge, right? A bridge connecting people and connecting differences. And I'm sure there's many other symbols and where are you? What are the symbols for you that, that are symbols of what God calls us to do and how God calls us to treat each other? As always, thank you so much for listening. Blessings and peace.